Welcome to Real Estate Hackers, where you'll hear how real estate investors grew something from nothing. Property management is going to become more technical. Our entire business today is based off of a hack. What if you could put $1,000 into an apartment building project on your phone? With YouTube, with podcasts, you can catch up very quickly to a seasoned investor. Now here's your real estate hacker host, Chad Gallagher. Welcome to the Real Estate Hackers Show, where we talk to actual investors who use systems and tech to scale out their business and where they see this all going in the future. Before we get to this week's guest, a few words from our partners and friends of the show. Welcome to Real Estate Hackers, where you'll hear how real estate investors grew something from nothing. Property management is going to become more technical. Our entire business today is based off of a hack. What if you could put $1,000 into an apartment building project on your phone? With YouTube, with podcasts, you can catch up very quickly to a seasoned investor. Now here's your real estate hacker host, Chad Gallagher. Welcome to the Real Estate Hackers Show, where we talk to actual investors who use systems and tech to scale out their business and where they see this all going in the future. Before we get to this week's guest, a few words from our partners and friends of the show. This show is brought to you by Red Rabbit Insurance. As a real estate investor, I love working with companies and people who truly understand investing. If you're a real estate investor, I highly suggest talking to Ryan at Red Rabbit Insurance. Red Rabbit specializes in working with investors of all sizes, both for their personal residence, auto, and investment properties. Red Rabbit recently saved one of our investors $5,000 a year by switching to the exact same coverage. That's a down payment on a new rental. I personally saved 15% by switching to Red Rabbit, which is pretty significant. And Red Rabbit Insurance makes it super easy to get a quote. All you need is the address, your full name, and your date of birth. No annoying questionnaires to fill out and Red Rabbit gets you a quote in less than a day. Email ryan at redrabbitinsurance.com or go to the website redrabbitinsurance.com or call 1-800-560-3015. That's redrabbitinsurance.com. Call today to save some money and get better insurance rates for your investments. Welcome to the latest episode of the Real Estate Hackers podcast. Man, I'm pumped. We got Ben Day in the house. Uh, I, I think this podcast, I get asked by a lot of investors for a lot of different things. And um, one of which is, hey, uh, my accounting is, and bookkeeping takes a lot of time. There's got to be a better way. And I'm pumped. Ben Day has figured out a better way for you. Uh, We're going to talk about tech. We're going to talk about bookkeeping, accounting, all things real estate. Ben, thanks for joining us. Dude, it is my pleasure. I'm an absolute bookkeeping nerd, uh, and I also <laughs> hate doing it. So whatever I can do to make bookkeeping fast and easy and right, I'm all about that. Well, you had our audience at nerd, so uh, <laughs> I think we're off to a good start. So Ben, why don't you do this? Why don't you kind of start off with maybe giving the folks an intro into kind of how you got started into this whole world uh, and how long maybe you've even been doing it? Sure. So... um I, Lineshare Bookkeeping is my company. Uh, we started it back in uh, 2017. Um, and I got into Lineshare. I decided that it was time for me to do bookkeeping for anyone in April of 2017 after I had lost a job uh, in the music industry. When I graduated college, I graduated from the University of Oklahoma and I graduated with a bachelor's degree in accounting and a bachelor's degree in music. And I got the accounting degree because that was the only way I was going to get help with the financing on the rest of my education. Um, and so, yeah, dad was, <laughs> dad was only a fan of the music degree if he knew I was going to be able to make money. Um, That's awesome. Which is fair, right? It was super cool and I'm very appreciative of that. 
Um, but it was, and I, I, I kind of like that model too, where it's like, Hey, I'll help you out and you can do whatever you're passionate about, but I'd also like to see you get something that you can be employed in. Um, yes. And that's, that was, that's really been his drive is like, man, I want you to succeed. I love you. Like that guy is, has a heart made of gold. Um, but he's also very practical. He's like, you need to understand money. You need to understand money in a big way because he didn't, he didn't grow up with financial literacy. He kind of had to teach himself. Um, right. And so we've kind of had that big, I find that's a big shift in, in real estate investors is either they're like all about like learning financial literacy for themselves or they figured it out and they're all about giving it to their kids because they didn't get it for, in the generation up. Uh, yep. And so that's, that's a really big focus for my dad. It's now a really big focus for me. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Thanks. Um, so I get this music degree, I get this accounting degree, and then I get a chance to work in a music job uh, internationally. We're doing a whole lot of different, just kind of executive assistant stuff. Um, and that was really cool until the money dried up. And then it was like, hey, you know, you can't pay for anything. So um, it was not the first time that I'd been involved with a business where the business owner was really passionate about their thing, whatever it was but they didn't have a good financial backbone to kind of understand the workings. And so I thought, okay, uh, I never want to be in this position ever again out of a job. And I've got this skill set. Why don't I just go leverage it? So I started Lionshare. Um, I originally started it to help breweries, to help just like craft beer makers figure out their numbers because I'll sit at a bar yeah. and drink all day. Like I, we, we, And we'll nerd out about numbers. That's how we met. Um, so it was like, we can, we can get that done. Um, but pretty rapidly, I realized that real estate was the path. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and, and some other real estate books and just had the bug and realized that if I could get into this space and get close to real estate and understand it, then I could eventually get in there and already have a grid for the business. And so we, we got in to help real estate investors because, you know, most real estate investors we know turn in financial statements to their banker on like the back of a napkin, hand-drawn, scribbled, like, hey, please give me some money. Uh, and we, we know how to do better. So that's, that's in a nutshell, what we, what we begin to get done for folks. Ben, that's awesome. Um, so talk me through, do, do you basically focus your kind of bookkeeping company? Is, is it focused on investors? Is it, that, yep. is that where you are kind of? Yeah. Exclusive to real estate, buy and hold, oh, wow, fix and flip, wholesale and, uh, management. So property management or asset management. It's very, very drilled down. We say no to a lot of people. That's great. I love that uh, focus because I'm sure, like you said, there's there's obviously a lot of different companies who want bookkeeping services, but by specializing in real estate, I imagine, you know, all the folks who are on your team, they're able to probably execute at a much higher level by being able to focus on real estate. Yeah. Well, and I mean, and it's not just like a, from a business perspective, like if you're opening any business, it's really important to have a niche. Like it's like, Hey, I'm going to do property management in New Jersey. Sweet. What part of New, like what, like borough of New Jersey, what county, like down to right. the address, what are you doing? Um, yeah. Because if you try to do any more than that, suddenly you become very complicated. Um, yeah. Where I think we begin to shine, not just in the business perspective of it, is really helping folks understand the difference between uh, get, having somebody that says they do real estate accounting and somebody that eats, sleeps, and breathes real estate accounting. You see a lot of CPAs that say, oh yeah, we can do that. But the only reason they say that is because they took the part of the CPA exam that was related to real estate. As soon as you ask them what wholesaling is, they dry up. They have no idea yeah. what you're talking about. They just don't know the industry. And that's where I really enjoy our focus is that it's like, oh yeah, we can hang. Like I'll talk to you all day about your deals. I know exactly what's going on. 
And, and, and just so everyone's kind of clear on what a bookkeeper does, which I'm, I'm sure most people know, but you're, I guess you're the intermediary between the investor or property manager and accountant. Is that, is that, is that right? Yes, essentially. So accounting is such a weird, big space. It's accounting is the language of money and how we talk about it. So you can talk about accounting, like, you know, debits and credits and all the boring stuff that we won't talk about. You can talk about it like finance because we use some of the same language. Um, but those two big pillars, like high value tax planning or like CFO services, nobody can do their job without the bookkeeper in play first. So it really, it is record keeping. It is, can we just begin to put things in the right place and make the right decisions? And then we take those books and we give them to a tax planner or give them to a CFO or we do it ourselves where it's like, okay, now what? Like, where's, where's the bigger picture? Bookkeeping is just the core foundational element. You can't get yep. the rest of the service without it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, could you give us an example of how, by being focused on real estate in the bookkeeping space, maybe something that, you know, you guys are able to do better or at a higher level than maybe a bookkeeper who doesn't just focus on real estate? Sure. So, um, the first thing that we begin to really understand, just kind of from an accounting perspective, um, just raw knowledge is like the rental life cycle. So everybody's familiar with Burr and how you, you know, buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. Um, what people don't realize unless they're super nerds like us is that every single one of those steps in the Burr strategy requires a different accounting strategy. And if you do it right, you can begin to maximize a lot of your expenses, minimize your taxes by capitalizing the right things and understanding where your cash flow is at any given moment. What we like to do then is combine that knowledge base that you might get from a tax planner with just raw bookkeeping and technology power where it's like, hey, the only way we're going to be able to do your accounting right and maximize these things is if we get these core components in play. Please, please, please do things like uh, send your bookkeeper receipts with addresses on them or better yet, give them the login to your Home Depot extra account so that they can just go see the purchase orders for themselves and begin to like put the foundation in and begin to really tell you per property what's happening with your money. That's really the most important part of bookkeeping is that financial understanding. So it, where other bookkeepers we've seen will say, okay, here's one sheet of paper with everything on it and you can't really tell the difference between properties um, or it's, hey, here's this one sheet of paper and it's 10 miles long because it's got one individual thing for each house. We really begin to leverage stuff like in QuickBooks Online, we use a lot of class tracking. Um, we can begin to combine information in the technology space with the information in the accounting space to give a bigger, better picture that real estate investors are already used to seeing and can understand. That's great. Um, do you, and do you typically work with, I know we use like Appfolio for our property management company. Is that a, is that, is that something that you often see where you're getting a data dump from a kind of backend property management software or, or kind of talk me through what is the actually, you know, I guess physical way that you're getting these files. Sure. So, um, so I know Slate House Group does a whole lot of fun stuff. Um, and if you're using Appfolio, that's awesome. So what we've realized just working with property managers is that there are some property managers out there that are very hesitant to let anyone outside of their team get into the actual nitty gritty of the accounting in the platform, just because you don't know what that person knows. You don't want me logging in and changing all of your work so that you have to go back and redo it. 
So what we see more often happen is that the property manager using Appfolio, using Buildium, Yardi, whatever it is, will generate a report and they'll send it to us. Mm -hmm. From there, we can do any number of things. We're looking at the transactions. We can take the transactions that the property manager has done and recode them ourselves and then compare financial statements to be like, hey, are we doing what the property manager did? Kind of like a little property manager audit on their accounting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Or we can go really big picture and look at the financial statements that are coming from your property manager and begin to do big picture strategy. Like, hey, we understand what these numbers say. And what these numbers say is that your property manager would like $100,000 from you within the next 60 days because they're rehabbing units, but they're not having that conversation. And so not everybody does that. um, But just due to the knowledge base, working with property management, whatever information we can get, we like to turn into plain English and kind of be an advocate for real estate investors so they can focus on the stuff that really matters and we can make sure that they don't lose anything in the financial mess. Yeah. One thing I get asked, and I'm, I'm interested in your response on this. Investors will ask me a lot if, if we recommend they take the data from an Appfolio or Buildium and put it into a QuickBooks, or if that's just kind of doubling the work. And, and give me your take on that. Sure. So I am doing that as we speak. Um, I've got a client who's got an apartment complex and he gets a big data dump bunch of like line item transactions um, out of that folio. And so what we've realized pretty quickly is that the best help you can get isn't always familiar with the software on the market. The software changes, it updates. Software like Appfolio, for instance, is really focused on property management, really couldn't care less about catering to the whims of an accountant. Meanwhile, QuickBooks is entirely based around helping accountants get tax returns done, right? So what we do is we say, okay, if you can give us this data, we will absolutely put it in QuickBooks, not because one system is better than the other, but because in the event that your system needs to change, if you decide that your bookkeeper isn't great or your accountant isn't great and you want to change that person, we want you to change to the best possible role and the person that can give you the knowledge as opposed to the person who knows Appfolio the best. QuickBooks is so popular, it only makes sense to do all of your accounting out of there, even if your property manager is doing it somewhere else. Okay. So you do recommend a kind of second step, I guess, where take take that data dump and then push it into a QuickBooks um, platform, at least for now, given that, and, and I assume it's not just Appfolio, probably building on other ones, uh, it, it just kind of probably creates a, a true uh, platform accountability that then can be ported over to, you know, probably any accountant or uh, uh, tax provider. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's you can give somebody a PDF or you can give somebody the raw data to figure out themselves. And accountants are very uh, data-driven people by nature. And so if they can dig in there and actually see what's going on, they'll feel much better and you'll get more value. You're, you shouldn't necessarily pay your tax preparer to do your bookkeeping for you because they can give you so much more value on that end. At the right. same time, if you just give them a sheet of paper and say, file this, they don't have a whole lot of options. If you can give them the background, if you can give them the extra details to play around with, they could find you big opportunities. That's great. Um, when do you normally recommend someone consider using a bookkeeper? Like if someone's got two properties, maybe two single family homes, you know, are, are you saying, hey, this would be worth you considering or is, is this, is the service of a bookkeeper more valuable once you get to that kind of 20, 30, 40 unit uh, stage? Sure. So I love this question because it's complicated. Um, 
so like I live in Oklahoma or I did live in Oklahoma. I now live in Lawrence, Kansas, uh, very similar markets in the, in the rental space where you could maybe get a hundred, two hundred dollars a door all in after everything. Um, so if I've got two doors, I'm making $400 a month. It probably doesn't make sense for me to hire anybody. Like that's not quit my day job money. On the flip right. side, if you can go get a rental in one of the hotter markets, maybe near the coast where you can get significantly more cash uh, and revenue, then it may make sense immediately on one to two doors. So that's a little nuanced. Um, at the end of the day, what I like to quote is just kind of the, kind of the market. So if you were going to hire a bookkeeper full time, you're looking at maybe a three, $4,000 a month gig plus the, like the office rent and the equipment and all that shenanigans. You can skip that by outsourcing your bookkeeping. Um, like one of the greatest things, and I can't quote it because they keep changing their price because uh, this is in contention right now. But if you go to QuickBooks, this is a weird plug where I'm going to advertise someone else's business. Uh, if you go, if you go look at QuickBooks right now, there's a, like you can buy the software and then there's a whole other tab where you can go buy a bookkeeper freelancer through their QuickBooks live program. I, yeah. When they launched it, it was like $300 a month. Then it went up to $500 a month. Then it went back down to 300. Uh, and that's the, that's the cost of hiring a bookkeeper sort of video chat roulette style to help you through your accounting. Uh, they may not know real estate. They probably won't know it nearly as well as a niche, as a niche expert will. Um, but they'll be able to get it done for you. So when we're talking about when to hire a bookkeeper, it's a cash flow question first. Um, and most of the time, what I recommend people do is wait until they're comfortable spending at least $500 a month on their bookkeeping solution. It may not be that, but that's probably where you're going to begin to have that conversation. Uh, okay, that makes sense. And I, I would assume there is a, uh, I assume the price increases, is it based on number of units or, or how, does, how does a bookkeeper even go about pricing out services? Sure. Uh, it, it entirely depends on how complicated your business is. So if you have one checking account and it's one business, and 800 units, but it's, it's neat and clean. You have a payment processor, you have a property manager. We're just like refiltering the data for you. That'd be, that's easy. That's open and shut even at hundred units. Um, but if you have seven houses and seven LLCs, that's seven different sets of books. That's all sorts of different complications and intercompany transfers, instantly more expensive. What we recommend most of the time is you try to consolidate as much as you can, either through your own property management company or using one just to kind of reduce the amount of headache on your, you know, internal bookkeeper. Okay. Um, cool. That makes sense. Uh, what, what are some things you've learned, I guess, from doing this? Uh, maybe some things to avoid or, you know, things that you wish investors knew about just kind of keeping cleaner, cleaner books or, or ways to kind of, uh, you know, I, I guess ultimately make more money. Uh, but, but what are some things that you've, you know, if you, if you had a microphone out to the whole investing world, what, what are some things that, that you wish investors knew? I love this question. So I actually, we love this question so much. I'm trying my hardest to turn it into a lead magnet and, um, or like a mini course or something and broadcast okay. it out to everybody. So in, in a nutshell, there are three things that investors really need to get figured out uh, up front, whether you have a million units or none. The first thing is we need to have the money talk, all right? Uh, the, the money talk basically is that whatever you understand about money is probably wrong. And, and that's not anybody's fault. It's just because we do such a bad job educating on it in, in this country that 
the language you're using, the literal words coming out of your mouth are confusing everyone around you that could help you. Uh, specifically when we're talking about things like personal budgeting versus business accounting. So if you're talking about expenses in your life, there's a good chance that not everything you would call an expense naturally is actually an, an expense in accounting. Like you don't have a savings expense. You're just moving that money from one place to another. You don't have a mortgage expense. You're paying a mortgage. Part of that is interest expense. Part of that is a liability pay down. Part of that may be an asset accrual if you've got escrow. So instantly the language we're using about money is wrong. When we talk about financial literacy, rich dad, all of this stuff, building financial literacy and clarity, the first thing you got to do is forget every word you know about money and rebuild your, your, your language set. Um, so that's really the first thing. If we're, if we're going to go down this path of like, what do I need to do to understand more? Start from zero, like scrap it. If you, if you just some basic vocabulary. Yeah, exactly. Is we also, we often tell people when they're trying to do this, it's like, whenever you're talking about money, stop yourself and use three words. Uh, either it's money in money out or money moves. Is money coming into your life magically, like through a loan or rent income? Is it leaving your life for Snickers bars or nails? Um, or is it moving from you to the bank, from the bank to you? Um, is it moving like to your credit card so you can pay it down, moving to a savings account? And just begin to grapple with that concept. If you begin to kind of sh to struggle there, you're going to find yourself growing naturally anyway. So that's that in a nutshell is the money talk. That is the first best place for anyone to start if they want to try to build financial literacy. And let me just pause you there. I mean, is, do you recommend something? I mean, I, I mean, I think of you myself as being, I, I'd like to think financially literate. And yet, uh, I mean, I'm sure I have a long way to go on that uh, kind of journey of becoming uh, more comfortable with the vocabulary. Do you have like a, a go-to source or have you guys created something? So we don't have a go-to source and we are trying to create something. We've got a couple things already, already out um, that we're trying to beef up because there really isn't a good place for this because real estate is so complicated. Yeah. Um, so I, the first thing I would recommend is any basic accounting course. It's going to be the worst. You're going to sleep through it, but you should go at least one time to get the big picture. Um, and then the next thing you should do is you should absolutely fundamentally find a mentor in real estate who knows more than you do and begin to ask, listen to how they talk about money. That is the best way to do it because you'll find you're, you'll go listen to these folks and you'll think they're saying one thing. And then as soon as you switch your mindset and you think, okay, what are they actually saying? Let's put that financial brain on. You'll realize that the words they're using and the posture that they have about that language suddenly means something very different. Yeah. Um, those, I mean, that's the, if you want to, if you want to do it the right way, that's exactly how I would get started is find a mentor and have them slap you on the wrist every time that you're wrong and also educate you on the things that you may or may not understand. Um, cool. Okay. So that's number one. Uh, you, you, you kind of primed me here. I got two more <laughs> yeah. that, are, that are coming our way. Uh, what, uh, what's the second one? Sure. So the second thing we really need to get down. Oh, um, and see, now I'm just having a total brain fart moment. Um, the, so the second thing we really need to get down is the kind of the, the basics of business money movement. What we find a lot of the time is that people are really intimidated by their, um, 
by their bookkeeping because they feel like it's just this giant mystery. And if they just had a simple system on how to get it done, they'd understand their business a little bit better. Um, and, and I think they're absolutely right. This is, this is where it all starts. If you don't have the find like the foundation there, then how are you supposed to know? Um, so, and it seems like the most obvious thing in the world, but if you're going to understand your finances, they need to be completely and totally separate from everything else in your life. 100%. Too often we see business owners who are commingling funds, which is a fun word for saying I'm going to Home Depot for my rent house and paying for Netflix and movie tickets off of the same credit card. Now suddenly it's someone's job to filter between those two and decide what's business and what's personal and then go back and do business accounting. That's too many steps. What we really recommend upfront for investors is that their accounting system gets built as basic as it can. Get a separate checking account, get a separate credit card, and begin to save your receipts. Bookkeepers are not mind readers. You're not a mind reader. You can't remember what you had for breakfast yesterday. Don't ask somebody to remember what you bought six months ago. That's not fair. If we can begin to save and consolidate this information, it's going to make everything about your system easier. And it's also going to help you prolong how long, like prolong the time you have until you need to hire a bookkeeper. If you can make your system simple up front, you don't need to hire a bookkeeper at five houses. You could hire. So, a do you recommend a an investor have a separate credit card just for the real estate business? Oh example? yeah, yeah. Fundamentally, yeah. like let's like get it out there. There's so technically it should be a business credit card. Um, I I so I'm not a tax accountant. So and I'm not a CPA and I'm not doing anybody's taxes. So I can say whatever I want. I'm also not a lawyer. So take all of this with a grain of salt. Um, but I'm of the opinion that if you just have a credit card that you're like, Hey, I'm not really using this, uh, use that exclusively for business just so that you have the record. Like it doesn't have to be under your business name. Take that, take you know, like Johnny's first credit card. It's got a $1,500 balance on it. And that's what you pay your, uh, your rento meter subscription with. That's what you pay your QuickBooks subscription with, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, just so that you've got it in one place, you know, you can go there, you know, you can find just business stuff. You know, you can give that to an accountant and say, Hey, please help. This is all for business. And they can just run with it. So, so helpful. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and really, I mean, the cost associated with that is probably pretty minimal. I mean, a lot of these credit cards don't even have any kind of an upfront yearly fee, or if they do, it's, it's so cheap. Uh, you know, even just having one additional item, you know, you take someone out to lunch who you're talking about real estate with, you know, you pay for someone's lunch and it probably pays for any kind of uh, yearly fee right there for the credit card. So, oh my gosh, uh, absolutely. Points, points are your lifesaver. And, and so not to like blend this conversation into somewhere weird, but if you, if you don't, I would recommend again, recommending somebody else, go look at the points guy. Uh, I think it's like the points guy.com. Uh, cause they have a big takedown on like credit cards, their pros and cons and how you can use them to really max out your cash back, uh, value. Uh, in particular, one of my favorite things is, uh, getting a Southwest credit card where you can then like, if you can fund your whole rehab on Southwest cards and pay them off and don't accrue any interest, do your best, whatever. Um, if you get like something like a hundred, 110,000 points on that card in a year, you can fly your best friend with you for free on Southwest basically yeah. for like six bucks. Yeah, I can attest to this. I actually, uh, I did this, um, for about four years. My wife and I flew, uh, she could go wherever I wanted. And between basically basic points and the companion pass, uh, 
we actually pulled this off and it was pretty, pretty wild. Uh, so I'm, I'm with you there. It's pretty neat. If you can make your financial freedom jive with your like freedom of location and just go and do whatever all the time, we're making it. Like, why would we not use that to our advantage? I'm, I'm, all, yeah. I'm all about that. Awesome. Um, okay. So uh, it's some great advice for investors. Talk me through, you know, so you're, you said you're located in Kansas. Uh, I assume most of your clients are not in Kansas. Um, kind of talk me through how tech has enabled your like virtual bookkeeping service to blossom. Sure. So when most people think about bookkeeping or accounting, they think about um, their, their, you know, the previous generation CPA, it's always been in the family. You drive 30 minutes down the street and go drop off a mailbox full of, drop off a, like a box full of receipts in their mailbox or whatever. And, and then something magical happens and then they mail you your return and whatever. It's just very slow. Um, and it's also very localized. What are the odds that the person you're driving down the street to is giving you the best advice and the best help in the country? Um, so freedom of location for us through technology has been really powerful. We serve clients from Maine to Hawaii and it's based out of central time. <laughs> and um, so technology has really begun to set us free and set investors free in that it really doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what deals you're doing. It doesn't matter how big or how small your operation is. If you've got a phone with a camera and 10 minutes to talk to little old me, we can begin to really empower you with some financial information and take this work off your plate. So much about real estate. We hear guys talk all the time where they're like, I just live out of my truck. My office is my truck. Um, cool. Keep doing that. I don't, I don't care. Like just take pictures of your receipts and we're good to go here. Um, Technology is really, I'm very long on technology, even though I think it's going to bury my business. Um, but I, it's just, it's changed the game. It's really helped between QuickBooks being online. Uh, it's as simple as taking a picture of receipts with your phone and then calls like this where you get on a Zoom call or I could send you a pre-recorded video through like a service called Loom just to review everything. So we don't even have to have a live conversation for me to tell you what's going on with your money. You can watch it at 2 a.m. when you can't sleep and then it'll promptly put you to sleep. Um, it's, <laughs> it's a good time, man. Like, so it's, so, so just talk me through this. So basically you'll, you will record something for an investor saying, Hey, here's the, the 10 minute, you know, snapshot of what's going on. And then the investor will watch that whenever they have time. And that, that could be at 1am when they're having trouble sleeping or whatever. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Fundamentally that. Yeah. We'll get, so on or around the 10th of the month, all of the bookkeeping is done. We've asked all of our questions. We've made our revisions. We record a 10 to 15 minute video hitting the highlights, all the things that we've kind of custom made for that particular investor, and we send it to them. They've got the PDF, they've got a video, and they've got a link to actually have a live meeting with us. Now, uh, most investors like to have a few live meetings with us, and then they get used to the rhythm, and then they're like, man, I don't want to spend an hour talking to my bookkeeper today. I'd much rather go close a deal. Uh, yeah. But then absolutely. It's, you know, it's two in the morning. A lot of our investors are new families. And so they'll be up with their kids late or they can't sleep or they're on a, like a weird rhythm. Uh, and we'll absolutely, we'll get email pings at like two, 3 a.m. It's like, hey, somebody watch this video. I'm like, good. They're getting the content. They're getting it done. Uh, and they're probably sleeping soundly now. But yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just so easy. That's awesome, man. Um, what a... You, you, you mentioned something I just want to kind of take one more second to go over. You mentioned that you think tech could eventually actually threaten your business. And, you know, you, you basically had this like service oriented business that sits between, uh, you know, a tax preparer and the actual 
um, investor. And I'm, I'm a big believer that over time, tech, uh, if not destroys service businesses, at least changes them. Uh, talk me through that a little bit. Where, you know, come back 5, 10, 15 years. What's your prognosis of where that goes? Sure. So I believe that my business will either burn to the ground or fundamentally <laughs> shift in the next five years explicitly due to technology. Fundamentally. Um, I So the technology exists right now to take thousands and thousands of data points, uh, like off of a property management, like like a line item report, take all of that information, dump it into QuickBooks, and in 15 minutes, I can filter it into a profit and loss by hand. And I, I train people to do this. I have eight people on my team right now. They do it for me. Um, it, the difficulty component is making sure that the computer read the information the right way. So very rapidly, this transitions from, I just need somebody to code things into QuickBooks to a service where I need somebody that understands financial statements that can help me understand my business. So we've done a lot to kind of pivot from just quotation marks, bookkeeping into this sort of like financial literacy and clarity business. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I think all bookkeepers are inherently threatened by the market. I think that's exactly why you begin to see people like QuickBooks or Intuit do live services and, and co-op with their, with their program because at some point their program will be able to trim out that live service because they'll be able to do it all. Yeah. I think that's on the horizon. And if, if I, there's just no reason why that isn't happening. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, just to kind of extrapolate what you're saying, and I, I believe this, which is the service business goes less from data entry and more into a consultant, a strategic consultant who's actually helping someone do things that tech can't do, which is understand their business and make better decisions of how they move forward. Exactly. I think so. Consultant is a fun word. I also like education. I mean, I mean it's like, uh, so just in time education is a big thing right now. You can go online, buy a course and in an afternoon, become an expert in something, uh, which I am just crazy about. I started this business with an education course. I found my coaches through education courses. I, I love them to pieces. Um, but yeah, I think fundamentally any service-based business that's operating purely on the fact that they can do a job with technology needs to realize at some point that technology is going to be, do, be able to do that job itself. So yeah. there needs to be somebody in play that understands how that works and yeah. can educate on the end result. That's great. You mentioned working for both buy and hold and flippers. Um, if, if you don't mind, take a second. Do you, do you kind of differentiate between the two and, and do you work with them differently or do you kind of see them as the same? How, how do you kind of think about those two? You know, what are very different kind of investment classes, I guess? Sure. So um, the nuance is everywhere. So like buy and hold, we could pull apart into, do you self-manage or use a property manager, Right. Um, two very different things where if you're paying anywhere from 8 to 12% for your property manager, um, that's one thing. But then if you have an in-house, are you beating 8 to 12% with your in-house team? Um, would it be worth 8% to hire somebody to handle the stuff for you that you'd like to get handled so that you can go do something else? Um, yeah. So just kind of bare bones consulting stuff. On the big picture, what we see though is um, buy and hold long-term really needs to show long-term asset performance for lending. Um, so, and I, I don't think I covered this, my dad, same guy who decided that I needed to make money, um, and not just be a musician my whole life. He's a vice president of lending at a community bank in Oklahoma city. 
And so he, and 95% of their loan portfolio is single family homes. Like, so it, it's nuts. Um, and they lend very exclusively to their area. Like they do a great job, um, but they have a very strict underwriting procedure. And so we've kind of got exposure to that and we understand, hey, when a bank is looking for something, this is what they're looking for and this is what you need. And so with rental portfolios, it's very much about maximizing net operating income. Even if your actual net income is a little different, you kind of get into some fun accounting stuff there. Um, Whereas with flips, it's much more inventory driven. It's much more about lining up your, uh, your costs with when things get sold. So you don't have lopsided taxes year over year. Um, And it's really about like, cash flow on a flip is much different than cash flow on a rental. And being on top of that is really a monthly endeavor. Whereas with rentals, once you kind of get it spun up and you know what your funding is and you hit your budgets, you maybe don't need monthly reporting on that. Maybe quarterly reporting would help you out there. But it's it very rapidly becomes a nuanced craft. I would even consider wholesaling to be totally different from flips and, and all of that stuff. There's so many different rabbit holes you can go down. But yeah, that, that's interesting is that the... Uh, you know, in the rental business, I mean, just your, you know, once you have a stable portfolio, your your huge cash flow swings are not really happening as much as, you know, uh, I mean, especially if you're paying your contractors with a, a credit card or you're paying them, a, you know, a couple of weeks out from the work that's done. Uh, usually it, it's, it kind of is what it is. Whereas in the flipping business, I mean, cash flow can, can be everything, I guess, if you're not yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's really, it's all about volume too. I mean, in, in flipping, it's always a problem because you don't have consistent cash flow coming in unless your business is huge. Uh, but with rentals, like if you've never owned a rental before and you decide to take on three rehabs at once, I'll pray for you tonight. Like, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> it's just different. Cool. Um, that's awesome, Ben. What, uh, anything else that, uh, you know, you, are you guys trying to like innovate anywhere? Uh, you know, certain things you're thinking about of, of the future or where your business goes from here? Sure. So what we've kind of begun to realize and tried to shift is exactly in that technology direction where it's like, okay, we can't just be transactional anymore. It has to be consulting and it has to be education. So what we're really trying to pivot towards is a place where, um, Short term, we can and will handle all of the the actual transactional work, bookkeeping, bill pay, invoicing. Um, we're also really building out our educational program right now. So it's like how to, if you're a tiny investor, it's the like the free course we talked about, which is like the three things you need in order to have easy bookkeeping. Or we have a bigger course that's like, here's how to do your bookkeeping yourself. Here's all of my procedures. Have a good time. Let me know if you need any help. Um, and then we're also beginning to rapidly transition into the KPI space or key performance indicator space where it's like, okay, but now that you have all these numbers, what do they mean? Why do they matter? Why should they matter to you? Which ones do and don't? How do you figure that out? And begin to really, again, dig into that coaching and education component just to help people understand. People don't know what they don't know. And um, we see enough books to be able to say, hey, that's right and that's wrong and that's weird and let's dive into that. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's the big shift we're making right now. It's great, man. Ben, I love it. Uh, I love what you're doing. I'm a big, big believer. I love, I love how you're saving, you know, allowing people to go do more strategic things. Uh, I, but I also love how you view the world is, you know, tech is going to make this even more automated than it is today. <clears throat> and you guys are trying to kind of move more into that education and strategic space. 
um, to kind of supplement tech. So, I mean, I just think it's all, it's all really good stuff where you guys are going. I appreciate that, man. We really, at the end of the day, it's like, if we're not using all the tools we can, it's a disservice to investors. I could make people drive up to see me every week with their receipts. Um, or we could just see each other once a quarter, grab a beer and a taco and hang out. And, um, and, and the business runs and instead of working on their finance stuff, they can work on operations and sales. Um, yeah which I think are also just rapidly spiraling in the same direction of technology. But um, Absolutely. I think admin's going to take the first hit for sure. Yeah. Cool, Ben. Uh, I have a feeling a bunch of our investors will want to find out more. Uh, those folks who are maybe listening to this cringing every time they think about having to do their own bookkeeping. Uh, how, how do folks get a hold of you? Are, are you taking on new clients? Uh, you know, and, and then last on this kind of three-part question is, you kind of mentioned some education pieces. Is that live today? And, and can they get more information on that? Sure. So the best way to find us is at lionsharebookkeeping.com. Um, I wouldn't try to type that straight in because bookkeeping is a Jeopardy word. So I might just Google it first. Um, so yeah, it's got the most double letters in the English language back to back to back. Um, Man, if you learn nothing else here today. Right, exactly. There's your fun nugget. Um, so yeah, best way to find us is just go look at the website. We've got all kinds of fun rabbit trails. You can go down blog posts. All of our educational content is on there. And as we release and tweak and re-release, that gets updated. Um, we are accepting clients. We're very picky. Um, but you can absolutely begin to apply for that on our website as, as well. And we'll walk you through if we think you're a good fit. Um, we'd be more than happy to give you our whole scope of work on your bookkeeping as for free, kind of just as part of our consultation process, um, walk you through what we think it would cost for us to do it and all that jazz. Um, so we are taking clients. It's just very niche right now while we build out our team and get ready to, to just explode over tax season. Yeah. I mean, I won't mention the names, but over a beer, you were, you were kind of throwing down some, some names of like a who's who list of real estate investors. You got some pretty high profile clients over there, Ben. Uh, yeah. We don't play no games. Uh, that is for <laughs> sure. Yeah. And um, so, and very rapidly, my hope is that we can get, cause like confidentiality and professionalism, like it's um, once, once we're away from that situation, it's like, oh, I should really ask first before I give people's names away. Of course. Um, so, so, you know, and that's cool because we were all there. Um, but very rapidly, it's like, we're going to put all that stuff on the website as well and be like, oh, I'm a landlord. Okay. Here are the cool landlords we help out. I'm a house flipper. Here's house flippers where we help out and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's all. That's there. awesome, man. Well, look, uh, you're doing, doing work for some, some big time investors across the country. Uh, love what your team's up to eight person team. And, and it seems like you're growing. Uh, and, uh, you know, I hope, hope folks in this podcast find this interesting and folks that are, that are in particular looking for a uh, bookkeeper, hope they have you in mind. And then last thing, so we're holding a conference here in April. We had talked a little bit about it. You want to come some, have, have some fun with us in uh, Pennsylvania? Dude, I think it's already on my calendar. Like, I think, I think we are going. Oh, and going. you are there. Yeah. Like, That's Lancaster, Pennsylvania, April 3rd, April 4th, April 5th. Uh, if you want to meet Ben, and nerd out over bookkeeping, which I'll tell you, last thing. So we, we met at the Bigger Pockets conference and uh, I was not, uh, you know, you, you'd think, hey, I met this like awesome bookkeeper. And uh, my business partner was like, that sounds horrendously boring. <laughs> uh, and I'll tell you, from having met you, you're not boring. You're actually not what most people would expect when meeting a bookkeeper. You're super interesting and engaging and uh, 
So hopefully folks can uh, meet you in person at the conference and have some fun. Uh, you know, more, more fun than you would with your average uh, persona of a bookkeeper. How about that? You know, we try so hard to not be boring. <laughs> so hard. So I appreciate that tremendously. All right, Ben. Hey, thanks for joining us. Real Estate Hackers podcast, rocking and rolling here. You're doing cool stuff. Excited to see where you're going. Keep an eye on tech and uh, we, uh, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Thank you, sir. So that's our episode of Real Estate Hackers. Thanks for joining us in your real estate investing journey. We come out with fresh new episodes weekly. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you would, let your fellow investors know about us. Also, if you've ever hacked or found a unique solution to an issue in the real estate space, hit me up. We may even share your real estate hack on a future episode. Check out our site at realestatehackers.com, on Instagram at realestatehackers, or email me directly at chad at realestatehackers.com. Real Estate Hackers is an on-air brands production. Huge thanks and shout out to Eric and the team at On Air Brands. Be sure to check them out at onairbrands.com. This is Chad Gallagher, your host of Real Estate Hackers. Hope to see you at our next meetup or live event. And who knows, you may even be the next guest hacker on our show. See you soon.